Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Resorts World Las Vegas, the newest property on the Strip. It's time for JT The Brick. How are we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? What do we want to talk about with the Raiders? So I want to see an interception. I want to see some bats. Third down and five on the 25. Wilson back to pass. Crosby in his face. Grabs Wilson around the shoulders and swings him down at the 34. Crosby with his second sack of the game. And the Raiders defense gets a stop. And then your boy JT got it right. JT the Brick. Always, always great to be with the Brick. I don't spend a lot of time on teams that don't make the playoffs. We talk about what matters in championships and winning here. It's big boy radio. You know, playing fast has always been fun for me, and I enjoy it when there's time, and there's a time and a place for it. And now, here's JT the Brick. All right, welcome back. Hour number two, we had Jason Horowitz on, the voice of the Raiders. Paul Gutierrez, insider from ESPN, going to join us here in a minute. Argentina is waiting on the winner of France and Morocco as they win 3 0. And look at that, Lionel Messi, smiling ear to ear, has an opportunity for his first World Cup win. We'll talk about that later on in the hour. Always thrilled to talk to a guy who's living the dream on NFL Network as a host reporter, insider, our friend Omar Ruiz, kind enough to join us. Omar, I hope you and your family are doing well. Happy holidays. How are you? Hey, right back at you, JT. We, we are doing well, thank you. Uh, it's good to hear who the other guests are today. Paul Gutierrez is a good friend of mine. <laughs> And Jason Horowitz is a buddy of mine, former uh, co-anchors on the uh, student TV station over wow. at Syracuse. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's uh, the all, uh, all a great uh, Tuesday to be a part of. That's for sure. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. You saw Belichick last night down at the half and win easily. Kyler Murray had a lot to do with that being out of it. Do you sense that the Patriots are on a playoff run now, playing their best football, bouncing back? And as you know, they're staying out west after Arizona on their way to Vegas. Yeah, I would imagine <clears throat> Belichick's teams, you know, as you know, JT, they historically get better as the year goes on. And, you know, they make no bones about, you know, kind of working through their growing pains in September and October so they can be playing their best ball uh, here in December. Now, the frustrations that we've seen from Mac Jones really all year long, you know, at times you're starting to see some of the fruition of fighting through those struggles and the offense, you know, looking at times, like it's one that can move the football consistently. But I think they'll still rely on their defense and continue to turn Matthew Judon loose. And hopefully Devin McCourty, you know, for their sake, injury is not too serious. Um, Uche is playing out of his mind, and I think that'll continue to be the strength of their team. Um, but if on offense they could get even more out of what they're getting right now, or at least just be consistent, I think then, yeah, that they certainly are a team that would look to uh, – threatened for that playoff spot. What do you think of Mac Jones barking back at the sideline and possibly Patricia and Patricia, a defensive guy, now calling the plays? How does that work? Because when I'm in Vegas, as you know, Josh McDaniels leaves them as the offensive play caller with six Super Bowls. They look like they were a little bit in flux, but they're still here now with seven wins and a chance. Well, what I was surprised most of all in that whole situation is if you remember when Matt Patricia left, they had Brian Flores waiting in the wings, and he was never fully promoted to defensive coordinator, but he ran the defense and obviously did it at a high enough level level to get the Miami Dolphins job. And then when he left, they had Gerard Mayo, who's a linebackers coach, and everybody thinks very highly of him. And of course, Steve Belichick is there. In other words, for the past 10 years, defensively, they've had a succession plan. And I think the most surprising thing to me 
was that there wasn't necessarily that on offense after Josh McDaniels left. As thoughtful as Belichick has been, as as articulate in every single detail as he's been, um, the fact that they didn't have that has been surprising. And so I think we've seen um, some of these struggles as, you know, somebody who's kind of jumping in there, number one, has to earn Mac Jones' trust, uh, and number two, has to essentially learn on the job, you know, learn how to call plays offensively, scheme up um, defenses in the National Football League at the highest league uh, possible to do it. So um, it is an interesting case. The fact that Mac Jones has shown that emotion, has shown that leadership is something that I think we all credited Tom Brady historically whenever he'd do it. And we'd see him bark, you know, uh, almost violently at Josh McDaniels at times. And I think Mac Jones is kind of expressing that same frustration. And, and I get the sense that Belichick must not hate it or totally uh, be against that. Maybe he encourages it behind the scenes to show that emotion, because otherwise I don't think Mac Jones would consistently be doing it. Omar Ruiz is our guest, NFL Network. So I think the biggest story left in the AFC is home field between the Bills and Kansas City. And looking at the schedule here, the Bills bring Cole Beasley out of retirement. They get the Dolphins at home. In that weather, I give them the advantage. At the Bears, at the Bengals. Bills at the Bengals is a monster. And that's coming up on uh, January 2nd. And then the Patriot game at the end. Handicap who you like better down the stretch for the one seed, Kansas City or the Bills? Yeah, that's a good point. I like uh, I like Kansas City when it when it's said and done. I think that schedule that you mentioned, and I have that one certainly circled on my calendar. The January second Monday nighter, you know, I host the NFL game day final on Monday night uh, on NFL Network, and that is one that I saw a few weeks ago uh, developing, especially the way the Bengals are coming on right now. And and you mentioned it. I, I think I think the AFC East teams aren't necessarily as uh, afraid or see the Bills as, you know, the almighty juggernaut that the Patriots once were in that division. And, and we've seen that the way, you know, the Jets and, and Miami certainly have beaten them already this year. Um, and, and I think, you know, they'll take probably one more loss there in that Cincinnati one. I think, you know, the way Joe Burrow's playing and, and the way they keep getting better every week, I think that's one that will be challenging. And I think the, I think the Chiefs will probably finish the year 3-1, and one, maybe even 4-0, and oh, the way they kind of get through their schedule and, and Andy Reid kind of, you know, similarly to Belichick, they get better as the year goes on. So if we're talking about that one seed, I think when it's all said and done, it'll go through Arrowhead for the AFC. Omar Ruiz is our guest. Let's go to the Niners with Debo Samuel. They really dodge one there. The MCL ankle sprain. He should be able to come back. Jimmy Garoppolo possibly deep into the playoffs. What have you noticed about Brock Purdy? He beats Tom Brady. Brady and the Bucks were a disaster in this game. Are you positive on the Niners here? Do you think they're just going to run into two really good teams back-to-back in the playoffs to knock them off? Yeah, I think for the Niners, it'll be it'll come down to matchups, mm-hmm. you know, and if let's say they get, you know, the Giants or somebody like that in the first round and, and you know, I, I think Brock Purdy just stays within himself and that 49er defense, the rest of the team is too talented. I think they, they would have no problem with that. And then, and then I don't think anybody's afraid of Minnesota mm-hmm. if the Niners are the three seed and they'd have to go to Minneapolis for, you know, that divisional round game. I don't think anybody, um, you know, in 49er land would, would be discouraged about that. You know, temp, especially early, uh, the way we've seen Brock Purdy play, and then you know things break their way. They're in the conference championship game, and anything can happen at that point. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I was at that game last week against Miami when you know Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, Brock Purdy comes in, and 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 JT, 
you know, I've been in locker rooms where, you know, the, the, the face of the franchise quarterback gets hurt. It's devastation. You know, you have players, you know, telling you, you know, off the record at times, you know, that the season's lost and they try to put on a good face and there's this complete deflation when that happens. Well, in that Niner room, locker room last week, it wasn't that. There was still just as much confidence. There was no dip. They, yes, there was some personal, uh, you know, feelings involved. You know, they felt bad for Jimmy Garoppolo, but as far as their team goals and how they still viewed their chances, there was no dip in that. And that, that was very surprising for me. Uh, obviously, Purdy's play uh, encouraged that last week, and, and he did nothing to dissuade that here this past weekend as well. Wrapping it up with Omar Ruiz. What's going on with the Titans? Very shocked they fire a GM when they have a two-game, three-game lead at the time in the division, and now they lost three in a row. Wow. I mean, a little bit of adversity for no reason, or maybe there was long-term. But when you saw that news on what the Titans were doing, removing a GM and trying to win games there, and now they've lost three in a row, and their point differentials minus 35, they're very fortunate to have a two-game lead in the AFC South. Yeah, I was completely shocked when I saw that, you know, the timing of everything. Um, you know, obviously – they, they got the big win on Thursday night football on the road in Green Bay, and then they come home and Todd Downing, you know, gets arrested for the D, DUI. And, and, you know, maybe that started this cycle, and maybe there's things going on behind the scenes, you know, that uh, they haven't come out yet, that there's more to do, you know, in that situation as, as the legal process plays out. Because otherwise, when you're talking about from a football standpoint, they're in contention every single year. It looks like they have the succession plan in place for their quarterback of the future when they drafted Malik Willis and the times that he's played, whether it's been in the preseason or even during the regular season, he looks like, you know, he, he has deserved more opportunity once Ryan Tannehill, uh, you know, eventually either hangs him up or, or moves on. So all that being said, yeah, it, it is weird that a team that has three game lead at that point would fire their general manager, especially when, you know, we were all hailing. Uh, Mike Vrabel as who's the reigning coach of the year as mm-hmm. another candidate to do it this year. And it just seems like things have fallen apart. So I would imagine maybe in the off season it would be things that we find out, you know, that, that it's more than football. Cause if it's just football, mm-hmm. I thought John Robinson did a pretty terrific job there in his tenure. Omar, last one, you know, we go back a ways and I was just at SoFi and NFL network is right there across the street. And you know, you've been coming out here to Vegas with the Legion stadium Next two Super Bowls, you know, you got Arizona, you got Vegas mixed in. We just had one out west. You were covering the breaking news as good as anybody about these stadium deals getting done, expansion with these new stadiums compared to some of the old old ones in back east, the Meadowlands, now MetLife, some of the older buildings that we see. Man, the vision to get these new stadiums out west just for Super Bowls alone are really paying off. Oh, it's awesome. I can't wait for this Arizona Super Bowl. I can't wait for that Vegas one next next year especially, and I think when you talk about the stadiums and the vision, um, how, and we documented this last year when, when Allegiant opened, you know, to the fans, we did it the year before when it was open during the pandemic, just the character and, and the architecture and, and how it's so fan-friendly nowadays. Isn't this the same thing with SoFi, mm-hmm. how they built in, you know, the palm trees and the br- ocean breeze coming in and, you know, having that Southern California character just like, you know, Mark Davis built at Allegiant Stadium, the Raiders character into the stadium. And I think having that vision and, and just be, being so aesthetically pleasing, um, I think is awesome. And I can't wait um, for the world uh, to see that in the Super Bowl next year, especially 
you know, with the flame going and, mm-hmm. and that story will be told, you know, not, not that NFL fans, I'm sure around the world know it, but especially, you know, those things are highlighted during the Super Bowl, And yeah, can't, can't wait to uh, count down to that one. Cause you know, that's going to be one for the ages. I mean, Las Vegas, um, in its own right, you know, hosting a Super Bowl is one for the ages, but let alone to put Allegiant Stadium in the spotlight, that'll be awesome as well. Good talking to you, Omar. Best to your family. All the best. I hope to see you soon. Thank you, JT. Good talking to you, buddy. You got it. Omar Ruiz, appreciate him coming on. NFL Radio, really good insider, covers the West as good as anybody out there, along with our good friend Steve Weish. Andrew Siciliano, who I started with, uh, just some good people all around. So I appreciate him coming on. And that's the surprise of the day. You know, in the morning I get up, we try to book the show with Bobby. Who are we going to get on? Who are we going to get on? We have a grid. So today I knew Paul Gutierrez next, Jason Horowitz. That's going to be a good show before I walk in the door. The voice of the Raiders and the ESPN insider. Then Omar gets back to me. He wants to come on. Jeff Sherman at the Westgate talking gambling. And then you, talking to you and get your calls in here is something that I want to get going here. I was really intense yesterday about screaming, hey, man, how you how do you win this game? I'm actually really excited today. I can't wait for this game. I can actually say, honestly, I always tell you the truth. I might exaggerate, but I always tell you the truth. This might be one of the best games I'm excited about since the Raiders built the stadium. I really do. I think that the team's not playing that well. I think it's a put-up-or-shut-up moment in the season. I think there's a lot of pressure on a lot of people. I want to see how they react. I hope you agree with that. And if you think they're going to win, be a Raider fan and let us know. Be optimistic that they can win this game. And if you don't think they could win the game... Have the balls on sports radio. We talk about balls. Have the balls to come in here and tell me what you think is going to hold them back. They, they can't. Be, they get the better quarterback, the better wide receiver, the better running back. The defensive ends, I think, are a push. Judon's having a better year than Max, but really not. Max is huge with tackles and sacks. But then you start going special teams. I think big advantage to New England. Defense overall, secondary advantage to New England. Offensive line because of the Raiders' injuries, advantage New England. But they don't have the running back that the Raiders have in Josh Jacobs. And the X factor will be Waller and Renfro. As this story builds this week, are they going to be able to play and contribute to their teammates? Are they going to be able to play coming off IR? I don't want to hear about, well, they <laughs> are they going to play? Are they going to play and help their team win? That's it. I like them both. You've heard them. They've been on the show with me. I want them to do well. Once a Raider, always a Raider. They're a lot more important than I am. I just want to know if they're going to play. I don't know if I'm going to find out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but I would assume both of those gentlemen want to get on the field and contribute to their teammates who have been busting their asses to try to win games. These guys would want to help, and hopefully we see that. And Vinny breaks it, or Paul Gutierrez next? I'll ask Paul that. Matter of fact, that'll be my first question. Waller and Renfro. To Paul Gutierrez and what he's sensing with these players and their potential contributions. Thanks again to Omar for coming on. You know, the 872 laborers, we were talking about the stadium, Tommy White and his team built the stadium on time, on budget, the jewel in the desert. Thanks to our pr- proud partners, the 872 laborers. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by the Botanist Gin, the number one fastest growing brand. Step up your cocktail game with the Botanist Gin. JT with you. Good to have you today. We appreciate everybody who listens every day on Raider Nation Radio, especially the DeCastaverde Law Group. Wow. Our good friends. Orlando. And you think of the guys over there and what they do and the whole staff and everybody that I see over there. They do an incredible job. 
Alex DeCastaverde, they have a family-run law group because their dad has this enormous legacy, massive legacy in Nevada. So if you get into a car accident and you get hurt, you need a fantastic law group that'll treat you like family. Plus, they're Raider fans. They do an unbelievable job. So it's the DeCastaverde Law Group. They're my friends. They're our partner here. I've been waiting to do business with them for a while. These are long-time, long-time historic lawyers and a law firm in town that have a great track record. 702-222-9999. 702-222-9999. It's the DeCastaverde Law Group. Look, getting in an accident could be the worst day of your life, and you need help. And these are the gentlemen and their team will help you there. So we're looking at this upcoming game and what it means for the Raiders. I think it means everything. It's a test. It's a test of where the organization is on the football team. Not so much the scouting department and GM yet because they took over. And there are a lot of players that aren't going to be here next year. And Dave Ziegler is going to have his first draft with a first-round pick, a second-round pick, depending on what he does. And he's going to have the ability to put something together here. But for Josh McDaniels, he's got to know the personnel there. Uh, Coach McDaniels is one of the best I've ever seen in my life knowing personnel. He knows the personnel of every team, let alone the Patriots. As I bring in Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, Paul, as we begin, I can't wait for this game. I think it's a huge test to find out who the Raiders are the final four games of the year against their mentor, Bill Belichick. How do you see it? Yeah, JT, it, it, it's it's funny. It's like usually when um, you have a, a bad game on a Thursday and you get all that time off, so kind of like a mini buy to get that taste out of your mouth. And, and then you, you got it, you know, basically facing your mentor coming up. So it's it's kind of a strange thing. It's, it's I'm not going to say it's an elimination game either, but it's one of the teams you're chasing if you still are harboring hopes of going to the playoffs. So it's a, a, no better way really than to try to put the bad taste of what happened in LA last Thursday uh, behind you. And then just try to focus on what's ahead of you. And, uh, you know, you got the, the big guys coming, coming to town again, just like we saw them during training camp. Uh, so I wanted to get into this. I just had a caller on, on Waller and Renfro and where they should be, where they are. Look, when a player, and you do this as good as anyone, when a player's injured, they can't go, they're inactive, you just walk away. It's You're not in the training room. You're not with them every day. But you get a chance to interview them, see them in the locker room, and you have sources in and around the league. What are your expectations for Waller and Renfro, not only this game, but for the remainder of the year? Well, I'll tell you, I, I, the expectation late last week, before the, or actually middle of last week, before the game in, in L.A., was at least with Darren Waller, was that uh, he was getting ready to, to get ramped up and, and uh, get activated off by Archer to, to be able to practice, and then they would go and see if he'd be able to play. Hunter Renfro, I wasn't sure exactly where they were with that, but I know that was kind of the plan going into the Rams game. Um, we'll see tomorrow uh, if they're out there on the practice field and if they make some sort of designation, and then go from there. I do wonder, though, you know, they, they've been without both of them for so long, and they're obviously good players, and you obviously want good players on your roster. But I do wonder if there's going to be kind of an adjustment period for the offense as well. But you say that, and then you say, well, the offense didn't do much, if anything at all, in the second half in L.A. on Thursday. So you would only welcome good players back. So it's going to be real interesting to see exactly if they are ready to come back, how they're kind of used, and how they're, they, they make their way back into the offense. Because with Darren Waller especially and Derek Carr, their connection just has not seemed on when he's been on the field with them. Uh, Hunter Renfro, we saw what happened to him. He got injured pretty, pretty badly, you mm-hmm. know, and then they're yeah. going into Arizona. So we'll see exactly how they both fit into what they're trying to do. Uh, going back to L.A., you were on the sideline uh, with your Sports Center commitments and ESPN and what you had to do pre- and post-game there. And when Baker Mayfield, was he coming at your end of the end zone or the other way? Take me back to real time, A.J. Cole's punt, 
two-yard line. I asked this to Jason Horowitz and how you watched that drive from Baker and how it concluded. Yeah, I tell you, I, I, I've been covering this team since 2005 in a quote-unquote professional capacity, so to speak, and I've seen some strange things with this team. That was one of the more strange. I was actually in the tunnel. Baker Mayfield was coming to me. The pass that he threw for the touchdown was right in front of me because I was supposed to go on the field. As, and Maybe this is looking under the hood too much, but it's interesting for, for fans that, that you know kind of get to see behind the scenes. I'm in the tunnel with my camera crew and the audio person and my producer, and we're getting ready to go on the field to interview Josh Jacobs live on the field as soon as the game end, ends to, for Scott Van Pelt Sports Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as that, that pass happens right in front of us, I turn around, my camera crew, my producer, they're all gone because they're going to go chase the Ram reporter now because they have to get the on-the-field interview for Scott Van Pelt. So it's one of those things where it just was, was shocking and it was stunning with how quick it happened because I went down with about seven minutes to go and the Raiders were up 10. And yeah, the Rams, the Rams did have the ball and they were driving, but yeah, yeah no way. This, this, there's no way this is going to happen. But that quickly and and when you saw it and it just happened you're just sitting there and you're stunned and i was right there in the tunnel where the raiders came in and just to see the looks on their faces i mean uh you know you got to be respectful but it was also one of those things that going in that locker room there was a sense of finality to that locker room jt that i had not sensed all year long and mm-hmm. definitely didn't feel it last year well so, what just uh, we'll what, what, how they respond yeah what you sense paul gutierrez joins us here because that's a tough time to get into a locker room i start the post game at that point so i miss out on those moments that you have what did you sense because there's a lot of passionate players there led by max crosby Devonte adams and obviously Derek carr just a sense of finality that it was just like wow how did that happen again how did this happen to us again I mean, whether it was Arizona, whether it was Jacksonville, uh, Indianapolis, uh, just strange things that happened all year long. Last year, they had the NFL record six walk-offs, where you just had a sense that they were going to pull it out somehow, some way in the end. This was kind of like, they were just done. Nobody really talked. I mean, you know, one of my sports center heads, I said, you know, if you were to say the locker room was quiet, that would be doing silence a disservice, because Mm -hmm. it was that quiet in there. All you could hear was the random banging of a locker from an angry player uh, when they were coming in through the tunnel. It's one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Derek Carr was the first guy in the tunnel and out. He just sprinted through. You never see that. Uh, Devontae Adams was the first guy out of the locker room, shower dressed, and was gone. And he usually sticks around and talks. And that's not taking a shot at him because he probably knows himself well enough that he might have said something he didn't want to say. I, I don't know. Those guys are professionals. We'll talk to them tomorrow and find out exactly what was going on. But I'm sure they're looking forward uh, to trying to write this, in their mind, this wrong. So that sense in that locker room, JT, was just something I had not felt this year because even after all those bad losses there was still kind of that sense that okay yeah we'll, we'll get this figured out and we'll get going even at two and seven um and you felt it in that three-game winning streak that they were onto something and then that game the way it ended was just kind of stunning paul gutierrez as we wrap it up so i like this matchup it's mac jones we mentioned judon how good he is but overall i think the raiders match up they have the elite running back they have the best wide receiver in the game and they got a quarterback coming off a bad loss his worst quarterback rating that i think is going to play with his hair on fire i don't the offensive line you're going to be able to update us with what happens this week with the injuries when the injury report comes out but how do you like this matchup man for man coach for coach and what's at stake at allegiant I do like the matchup for the Raiders, if for no other reason than what we saw during that joint practice and how the show that Devontae Adams was putting on. But you're going I have a hard time believing that Bill Belichick actually showed Josh McDaniels what he was going to do in the regular season during the joint practice as well. To me, the, the ultimate matchup is going to be whether they're playing chess or checkers between Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. You know that Josh McDaniels has already beaten him once uh, when he was the head coach of the Broncos back in 2009. Uh, you know he wants to beat his mentor. 
the same point, you know, that, that uh, you know, Bill Belichick has probably forgotten more about head coaching than Josh McDaniels has learned thus far. So the matchup, pure scheme, X's and O's, yeah, I would say that the Raiders are a little bit more explosive offensively, but I, I thought they were going to blow the Rams out too. So, again, it's the, that's why they play on Sundays. And when you've got this alternate matchup between these two guys, um, Belichick and McDaniels, that to me is going to be worth the price of admission in and of itself. All right, Paul, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the new UNLV football coach because you're an, this is your alma mater, you're a fan, and I, hey, look, I've done this a long time. You know how long I've been in this market and how long you've been a part of UNLV. It's been a revolving door. Eventually, they're going to get it right, correct? Eventually, they're going to get a coach that recruits locally, recruits nationally, gets good players in here, and wins on game day. How do you see this move? They have, that's exactly what they have to do. And, and if they're serious about trying to make a move to a Power 5 conference, I mean, they've got all the facilities in the world already, right? And Power 5 conferences are about football. You've got to get a guy in there that can recruit, recruit well, and recruit the West Coast, if, not, if for nothing else than to keep the local talent home. Uh, we'll see. It, it didn't seem like it really moved the needle much locally. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what I'm interested in as a fan slash alum of UNLV if he's 500 in the SEC, what does that translate to yeah. in the Mountain West? Then we'll just go and figure it out. There you go, Paul. I'll see you out there at the stadium, if not before. Thank you, as always. Sounds good. We'll see you soon. All right, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Appreciate him coming on here. As we look at the matchup, we'll dive into it. So I have Greg Bedard on, easily the best writer in Patriots, in the world of the Patriots, and then Tom Curran, the best insider. So they're both coming on in the next two days here. So we got two great Patriot guests, I say, for Wednesday and Thursday. And just got a text from Julie Romanowski, Romocop, Bill Romanowski, in for Thursday. I break the glass with two guys. I have two guys that I break the glass in an emergency, Phil Villapiano and Bill Romanowski. Those are my two guys that when, hey, man, the going gets tough, the tough get going, I call on those guys. I don't think I've ever interviewed Romo about the Patriots. Romo despises everybody, right? He hates the Chiefs. He hates everybody. I don't recall Romo coming on with me over the decades to talk about the Patriots, so that'll be here later in the week. We'll also have a portion of uh, Raiders Roundtable, Q&I. I play some of that on Friday. And then Friday, I'm going to host a nice live remote. First time I've ever hosted in Resorts World. And Resorts World is the premier property on the Strip. No debate. Sorry to our friends at other casinos. we got a lot of casinos we do business with. Resorts World is the biggest, most expensive, a really important client to ours. They're all important. I've never done a remote there, so we're going to be at Redtail. That's one of their interactive sports bars where you can bet. they got games. They have cool games. You can play beer pong there. Anything you want to do, we'll be there for two hours on Friday from noon to 2. It's going to be sponsored by Modelo, Resorts World, and Remy Martin. So three of our great partners are going to come out and support. I think there's going to be some Raiders super fans who are going to be there, courtesy of Modelo, and I'd like to invite you there. It's real easy to get to Resorts World. Park for free. They have free parking. Just come down and check it out for a little bit. Have lunch. they got a great food court. Uh, they got great food at Red Tail. You can hang out and see everything. Mulberry Street Pizza is right across from Red Tail. Get a couple of slices and check out what's going on there. I'm excited to be there. It should be fun. Definitely going to have a cigar afterwards. Going to freshen up, clean up, and go to Fred Bolitnikoff and Angela Bolitnikoff's Crab Feed, All-You-Can-Eat Crab. Now, Damon, I'm not a big crab guy, but I do it that night because I have a suit on, and I don't want to get crab all over me. But they have wipes, and they have the ability to crack the crab, and then they bring it out. They bring it out in tray after tray. 
So if you're sitting at a table and there's a couple of people there that like crab, you just sit back and watch them because it's all you can eat crab. Are you a crab guy? I am a crab guy, Ooh. and I don't even need a utensil. I'm going to crack it with my hands, okay. and I'm just going to get in there. So I would not I would not do well in a public setting like this because people would look <laughs> at me and say, this guy, has no, this guy has no manners. So the proper etiquette is you wash your hands before. You go in there, you crack the crab with your hands, then you go wash up afterwards, and then have a couple of beverages and enjoy the night, dancing, entertainment, all of that. I love to eat. I love to yeah, eat. Yeah, I guess so, man. Be, I'd be the guy. Oh, the dancing that's nice. I'd shake, I'd shake all the hands that I could before the food got around to me. It's amazing what they do, how the Bolitnikovs fly in this crab and how they're able to do it. Freddie really cares about this. Fred Bolitnikov, fresh crab. It can't be the secondary crab. It's got to be the best of the best. And Fred spends a lot of time taste testing it and being ready. They moved this event from the Bay Area to Paris now. So the Paris will be where we will be on Friday, and there'll be a good Raider crowd, a bunch of Hall of Famers coming. So I'm excited. Every year it's a fun event. I MC the golf tournament. Lincoln MCs this, Lincoln Kennedy. I just sit back with my wife. The entertainment is incredible. The Miracles will be performing. I'll be sitting with Danny Serafin, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, the founder of the band Chicago. I know Marcus Allen's going to be there. I know Fred Bolitnikoff's going to be there, and I know Jim Plunkett's going to be there. Those are the three MVPs of the Raiders Super Bowls. So if you're going, look forward to seeing you there. If you're not going, you can support the silent auction at Bolitnikoff.org. You can go to their website and bid on all the great Raider memorabilia that's going to be up there. And then you'd be helping out Fred and Angela in Tracy's Place of Hope. You'd be really helping out if you donated a couple hundred bucks, 50, whatever you have. Just donate it at Bolitnikoff.org, and it keeps the event coming back year after year. All right, we got to wake up these phones. Okay, I'm not looking for super fans. I'm just looking for some people that believe the Raiders can win this game. You've been very critical with this show the last couple of weeks because of what happened heading into the Rams and out of the Rams. I understand you're in a holiday slumber. Time to wake up and predict a win here. And as I said, who has the most pressure when they get off the bus or park the car at Allegiant on Sunday? Who are you pointing at to say, blank, Better have a big day. 702-365-9200 as we continue on here. Grimaldi's. My son's coming home Friday from Oklahoma. He will go into my Grimaldi's gift cards when I'm not looking. And he will get several Brooklyn Bridge pizzas and eat them with his friends. This will be a fun trip, too, because he's coming back with a couple of his fraternity brothers for the first time. So I'll have an open house with my son and his friends. And they're all going to the Raider game. They're all going to the Raider game because when you're in Vegas... You should be at a Legion attending the Las Vegas Bowl and the Raider game. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria, home of the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza. All right, turn it up. we got to get some people excited here. It is quiet today. I feel like I'm doing one of those PBS TV shows, you know, where the guy just talked like the Charlie Rose show back in the day. Everybody's asleep on me today, man, except for... Come on and Dan, I appreciate you guys being here as we're rolling through. 702-365-9200. Your opinion on this game coming up as we dive in. We have a lot of guests today. We're open to the top of the hour. What do the Raiders need to do to step up and play a great game? Are they capable of playing a great game? How about that one? Are they capable? Every time I talk to Lincoln Kennedy, he's like, well, I got to see it. 
And we're waiting. Are they capable of scoring first, starting fast, and blowing someone out, or at least playing with the lead and being dominant? When was the last time that happened? Didn't happen against New Orleans. Didn't happen against Houston. In Houston, late in the game, they put that game away. The last time I remember the Raiders playing a great game that was really a solid performance was when they put up 30 unanswered in the middle of the Eagles game, and the Eagles turned out to be the best team. That's the question I get more than any question is the Eagles. If the Raiders, who beat the Eagles last year, why can't the Raiders be the Eagles next year? Very good point. You know what they did? The similarities between the Eagles and the Raiders are are very painfully obvious to me. The Eagles last year were 2-5. and The Raiders this year were 2-5. and The uh, the Eagles wanted to fire Nick Sirianni. They wanted nothing to do with Jalen Hurts. They were really upset. They stuck with the plan. They had a plan. And then they went out and got A.J. Brown. They drafted well. And look at them now. They're the best team in football. Can the Raiders, it looks a little bit similar. Raiders started off 2-5. and five. They had a plan. They're sticking with the plan, if you like it or not. Could the Raiders turn around and be the Eagles next year? I don't know. I don't know what the schedule is. The schedule is not going to be as hard as the one this year. But I don't make predictions, but I think that the Raiders' offseason is going to be highly productive. Highly productive, but I'd like to see them win three out of their final four games. For those who are saying they got to run the table and win four in a row, we greatly appreciate that. How about winning three out of the four? What would the three out of four be? To me, they'd be the Patriots, Pittsburgh, and the Niners before Kansas City. Now, you can beat Kansas City if Kansas City has nothing to play for. If Kansas City loses another game and Buffalo wins, Buffalo will have a two-game lead on them because they have the tiebreaker. No one's going to catch Kansas City, so Kansas City could be the two seed. They could come into Vegas the last game of the year and say, we're not playing anybody. We're not playing anybody because we're playing next week in the playoffs. We're going to rest up Kelsey and those guys. That could happen. What I think is going to happen is Kansas City is going to come in tied with Buffalo in the loss column and have to win the game, and they're going to play hard. Chuck, you're up next. Go ahead. You're on the flagship. What's happening? JT the Brick. What's up, man? Doing well. What's happening? Listen, man, this team was shot in three in week three, week four. They were done, man. I'm going to tell you right now. I called you a long time ago. Chuck, what, what you, you do, Chuck, what you do is why, why, I always, why I always hang up on you is you take a cheap shot somewhere in your phone call, and I have to radio knock you out like Mike Tyson. So when you, when you, I'm going to let you finish, but if you're going to take a cheap shot like you always do on the postgame show, I'm going to slam you off the radio in under five seconds. So go ahead. Give me something educated that could help out our show and audience. What, what, what I'm talking about is education, my friend. I was smart enough to know that this team's not good enough. So why are you I calling in and why are you watching this I'm team? You, what I'm telling you, they need a different change, and that change is a quarterback change. Okay. I'm telling you right now, that's what needs to be changed. Derek Carr is not a winner, man. He has never been a winner. Just because he won a, went to the playoffs last year, that was a hell of a fluke, and everybody okay. knows so Chuck, you live in Henderson, right? Program. Chuck, hold on, hold on. Chuck, I want to hear the end. I want to hear the okay. I want to hear the end of your call. But are you in Henderson? It says Chuck in Henderson. Are you from Oak? Where you live? Yeah, I'm originally from Oakland. Okay, so okay, good. No, I appreciate that. Good. So Chuck, if you say Derek Carr in a grocery store, you're going to walk up to him and tell him he's a loser. You're not. Goodbye, Chuck. You're not. You're a troll. You do this all the time, and you're anonymous. You're anonymous. You call Derek Carr a loser on the flagship station. You wouldn't have the balls to say it to his face. You wouldn't have the balls to say it to my face. 
but you use the radio show to come on in and take shots. And that was actually a pretty good chuck call. <laughs> that was one of the better ones. You know, when I'm doing the post-game show, which is about, which I think is in Henderson, in front of a live audience, Chuck doesn't come up and say Derek Carr's a loser. So, Chuck, again, I appreciate the fact that you're listening, but be a grown-ass man. If you're going to say it on the radio, be able to say it to people because I've yet to find one. I've yet to find one person. You'd be the first, Chuck. You'd be the first. And that'd be something to be famous for. 702-365-9200. Snow Raider. Well, there's a lot of snow. You see the snow in Tahoe? Snow Raider, what's happening? Hey, thanks, JT. Yeah, we got pounded, a lot of snow. Been shoveling out for three days. It's awesome. That's why I've been able to call in. couple things. Viva Argentina. Yes. Argentina. I think they can win now. Look, France might be better. Morocco, uh, if I'm an Argentina fan, which I'm not, but I love Messi, you got to root for Morocco to win 1-0 and have a chance to do that. And what happens if Morocco wins this thing and Messi doesn't? Can you imagine that story? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been watching uh, Argentina for a long time. But my point here is they lost to Saudi Arabia. They had 36 going wins in a row. They lost. They got shocked. They reset. That's what the Raiders need to do against Belichick. I don't know. That's a tall mountain to climb. Mm-hmm. The mentor, obviously, for Josh is uh, Belichick. Belichick, they're rolling. They're feeling good. They're not winning huge games or blowing people out, but they know how to win. Mm-hmm. Belichick can out-scheme anyone. Obviously, I always root for the Raiders. I always expect them to win, but there's going to be a tough one for them. The Raiders need to reset like Argentina did. They flowed mm-hmm. today against Croatia, a tough team. They still got one more mountain to climb to get the cup, but that's what the Raiders got to do. They blew it against the Rams. Mm-hmm. Let too many opportunities in. Hopefully they can bounce back, but that's what I'm feeling right now. Yeah, thanks for the call. You made a really good point. And, Damon, that was the point we were talking about all week, too, is the fact that you had a bad loss, a crippling loss, a, de- a season-defining loss. How will you react? So that's one of the things I think is the strength of Josh McDaniels. And if, he's, if I'm wrong, you know where to find me on Monday or Sunday. What I think Josh McDaniels can do is get the team ready after these losses. Now, I wish there were less losses. I wish we were talking about five wins in a row, six wins in a row. We're not. But I think from what we heard all year long is they'll have the team ready. The team will have a great week of practice. Uh, the locker room is tight and together. And the leaders, the captains with the C's on their jersey, say everything's fine. Everybody, ask him. Ask Max. He says, yeah, we're good to go. We lost. It was heartbreaking. We'll be prepared and ready to go. Well, that's why I think this is such an important game for them because this is a test to how the rest of the season will look. This, I'm not going to ever say they're going to check out. They're not going to check out. This is a team that's not going to check out. They better not. But this is a team that has an organization in front of them with the New England Patriots that they're going to be evaluated for how they played in this game because this game means a lot. They all mean a lot, but it means a lot to Dave Ziegler and the coach. Josh McDaniels, they came from this organization. They chose to take the offer from Mark Davis. Okay, they did their due diligence, and they left the Patriots. They left the Patriots to come here. They came here to win and get the Raiders back to the top, so it's going to be very important that they win this game or show up. Ryan in North Carolina, wrap it up, Ryan. Thank you. Hey, what's going on, JT? Love the show. Been listening for a long time. First time caller. Um, Hey, I just want to say that, uh, you know, season's not over. Uh, People need to, you know, I know we're upset. uh, Mm -hmm. We're hurt. uh, But, uh, you know, it's not over yet. And now it's time to uh, 
you know, show that you got a pair and uh, go out there and, and take on uh, the Patriots and play for pride and uh, for the, the mm. silver and black and for the fans. And I'll just, you know. Well, you're right because, and- Ryan, they got three out of four games at home. And that's a business model, right? You got a business that has about 60,000 customers coming in. That's the way I look at it. You got to play for your business model, your team success, pride and boys. And it's a game. It's a game in conference, which means a lot. It means a lot to the Patriots, too, because the Raiders want to knock them out of the playoffs for obvious reasons. There's a lot at stake here. It's a big game. We have not been exaggerating. This is a big game. It feels big. And I just hope the Raiders can answer the challenge of a big stage. They were flexed out of the game, but it's still going to be a game that a lot of people are watching. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, it, it pissed me off that we got flexed out because I was so excited. You yeah, know, home so game, uh, you know, national TV. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, we haven't beat the Patriots since, what, 2002? Yeah, I, I, mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's been 20 years. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I, I'm ready to, uh, you know, to keep supporting the team like always and uh, loving Raider mm-hmm. Nation. And I'm not going to be negative. It's too much freaking negativity out there. And I'm, I'm sick of it, honestly. Appreciate the call. Thank you. A couple of more Patriots sound bites. First off, Judon, right? The, what he's been able to do off the edge. This is a guy, I think it's 14 and a half sacks now. He had one and a half in this last game. He's ahead of Max Crosby. From the Patriot 48, McCoy drops back with a play. He's pressured by Judon. Yeah. Right, he's sat by Judon. He curled right into the arms of the Patriots linebacker. Yeah, he's playing well. So he's explosive off the edge. Uh, the Raiders, if it's Colt Miller, whoever it is on the edge, Thayer Mumford, if he, if, he, if he flexes, comes inside on a stunt, they're going to have to find him. He's a great player. And also another Mac Jones soundbite here. Mac Jones is coming in, first time playing in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Big game for a young kid who won a national championship at Alabama. I thought he was very vocal last night. No, um, I think... The biggest thing for me is not letting it affect my play and bringing the best out of my guys. So today I thought we all did a good job with trying to play the next play, play the next series, and um, Matty P did a great job. He's trying to call the game so that we can win. And sometimes it might be this thing that people don't know about, like the quick passes for whatever reason, and that's our game plan. So we knew that's what we had to do to win, and he called a great game and um, stayed calm. Matty P is a very calm person, very stoic, and um, we're just going to continue to grow together and, and do what we can to win games he's talking about matt patricia now defensive coordinator who's now calling the place on offense and they've been barking at each other here a little bit but they were laughing about it last night uh, they gave each other a big hug on the sideline and they were laughing about it because joe buck and aikman picked up on it it got down to the bench and they cleaned it up afterwards i love that when it happens it happened with gruden it happened with jack del rio it's going to happen with josh mcdaniels when a player and a coach get into it and they're passionate about wanting to win. So Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray is having season-ending torn ACL surgery. That is just devastating. Just awful that that happened here. But I wanted to end the show and dip the show in reality. Mike Leach died at the age of 61. And I, I, don't, I, rec- I recall interviewing him a few times, but he was always a great soundbite. All of my radio shows have been based on sound. I just played you two soundbites there, DeMond did. Because I think at times a soundbite can tell a story better than the host. Or the caller. And Mike Leach was a great soundbite. He, he truly was. He said some bizarre stuff. He always had fun. And he died of a massive heart attack, heart condition. The school announced that. Complications. He was only 61 years old. His family said in a statement Tuesday by the school that he participated in organ donation at the University of Mississippi Medical Center 
as a final act of charity. Quote, we are all supported and uplifted by the outpouring of love and prayers for our family, friends, Mississippi State University, the hospital staff, and football fans around the world, the Leach family said. Thank you for sharing in the joy of our beloved husband and father's life. And it's just sad. It's just sad. He had a long life to live in front of him. Leach was in his third season as Mississippi State's coach. He told ESPN after the regular season concluded that he struggled with pneumonia during the season but was feeling better. He was at practice just this past Saturday before suffering this health issue on Sunday. Life can end that quickly without saying goodbye to your friends and family. And uh, we think of Leach's family today. We wish him the best, and we wish the family the best. It's just a sad day. Rest in paradise to Mike Leach, who was one of the great sound bites, a really good coach. Lincoln Riley, the head coach of USC, posted a picture of him as a young assistant of Mike Leach and was highly emotional like so many coaches are around the league, many coaches throughout the SEC. Mike Leach, rest in peace. So the show tomorrow, we'll have Greg Bedard on from New England. He's a Patriots insider. He's going to join us. And then the rest of our insiders who jump in, Bill Williamson of the Raiders, usually get me an alumni on Wednesday, so we'll see what happens there. And then we build up to a good weekend at home. The Bolitnikoff Crab Feet on Friday night at Paris. The Raider game on Sunday and whatever you're doing here. Oh, the Las Vegas Bowl. Really think it'd be great to support that here in the community with their early start time because of the Raiders getting flexed. It's always nice. There are tickets available. You can go watch Florida. The Gators. That's big boy football, even though they didn't finish strong. They'll go up against Oregon State, and I think a lot of their fans are going to travel from Corvallis. So that's another huge weekend of football here in Sin City. Damon, thanks again for running the show today. Appreciate it. Hopefully Bobby's feeling better. Q's on deck. Saw him today. They'll release Raiders Roundtable coming up, and you'll see the latest podcast on the Raiders Podcasting Network. Have a great day, everybody. I'm on Sirius XM from 6 to 9 p.m. tonight on Mad Dog.